0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Ralph Macchio, and you are listening to the Epic Marvel
1: Podcast.
2: Welcome to the Epic Marvel Movie Podcast. I'm
0: Steve Ferguson. And I am Doug Ferguson.
2: So, Doug, as you know, last time I was uh, on an extended vacation out into the depths of space. I've actually managed to make my way back to Earth. I basically had to hijack a shuttle Mm -hmm. that was on Mm -hmm. its way to Earth anyways.
0: That's the best way to go, apparently. Gets Gets you right back here. Yeah, get past all the security and everything.
2: There were there were some casualties. I'm not going to tell
1: a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it,
2: it was most of the cast of the Care Bears. Oh, a lot yeah. of them, a lot of them did die off screen.
0: Oh, uh, really? That sucks. Yeah, um, I don't I don't know many Care Bear names, uh, but I think Lionheart is one of them. Did he make it? No. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: All right. We have some uh, we have some special guests with us today. How's it going, guys? Hi, hi, hi.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Curtis from the Epic Marvel Podcast, uh, being a special guest on a segment that I'm not usually on. So this is exciting. Yeah, we had you on the, uh, the, our first episode for Labyrinth, and I think that was it, right? That's right, yeah. But I've okay. been listening to every episode and totally enjoy the conversation, so it's glad, I'm glad to be here. And with me today is my Transformers co-host, Peter Ha. Hi, Peter. Hi, hi guys. Nice to meet you.
3: Hi, hello. How's it going, Peter? We're excited to be talking about Transformers the movie. Sorry, did I? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Spoiler alert.
1: I guess the title might have not given it away yet. That's my opinion. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is exciting because uh, this is the tw- your your twelfth episode, you guys. So this is like a full year's worth oh, of podcasting, good. and we wanted to make it special. And I told the guys, if you ever do the Transformers movie comic adaptation i, I we got to be on it because peter and i are covering all of the other transformers marvel comics and so it would be a shame to miss out on this conversation as well and let me tell you peter knows a ton about transformers in this movie in particular so it'll be great to have him in the conversation
0: on my web series uh, beast wars wednesday we just covered some beast wars comics uh the ascending specifically so, uh, I've also I've been in, in the world of Transformer comics recently. So it all, cool. it all fits. Nice. Yeah. Are you, are you relatively new to the, to
3: the Marvel continuity or have you read it for a while?
0: Um, I, I actually, I don't, I, I, I read it a little bit of when it was just, uh, the, it's kind of the early run of the IDW stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, and I think the, the Beast Wars ones are still in, in that IDW, um, brain right there i don't know much about the old marvel comics
1: oh, okay okay so well that's fine i don't think you really need to know any of that stuff in nope. order to <laughs> enjoy the movie adaptation no no
0: I, I and i know the movie uh inside and out so yeah so
2: I, a really quick question i seem to recall ages ago that there was a storyline help me out was it transformers armada that kind of explains that a lot of these transformers series existed in like a huge multiverse that
3: i don't know, I know mean- about uh, I, I I only know mostly the G one and the original Marvel Marvel comics continuity. I don't remember. I don't know much about the Armada.
1: I uh, do remember that Armada had a huge that huge Unicron cycle. Um, that was a big big part of that series. Uh, because there was three parts of that series. The first part was called called Armada. The second part was called Energon, and the and the third I think was called Unicron. Was that right? I would actually be. I, I, did they ever? did they actually say that it was part of a multiverse
0: yeah there was that's right i, I do remember this this is again early idw is there was a um, there was a whole thing where there was I, I don't remember exactly it's been years since i read them um but basically it, it showed like that there were different universes and it was showed pieces of other continuities of transformers which at that time wasn't nearly as many as there are now um
1: but uh I think I think it was Armada so I think Steve's right um Oh, I'm thinking of the cartoon Armada, not the. Not the comic oh, we see books. the like,
0: comics were based off the cartoon, but actually they were. But I think they operated separately. Yeah. Um. But they were sort of based off of both, based off of the to- toy line. But I don't know if the how much the, the show and the comics overlapped in what they wanted to accomplish. Um. But my understanding is is that actually the comics were better than the show.
1: So yeah. <laughs> there, there is so much Transformers out there. It's hard to be an expert in every single bit of transformers oh yeah
0: no, i guess I, I'm,
3: it would really shock not. me if there's like multi- a multiverse too because it isn't it isn't that what every rebooted show has been doing like the turtles did that too right they have like a multiverse and the teenage mutant ninja turtles that's
1: right.
0: Well, yeah, it's a quick way to kind of explain why there's so <laughs> many different artificial or, 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 or so many different like interpretations of uh, of these stories, and and so they're sort of like, yeah, yeah, they're they're all true. So that way, they're nobody feels like yeah. nobody yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody feels like, oh, well, this isn't my turtles or my transformers. <laughs> well, well like, actually, well, everybody's turtles. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. Cool. Well, why don't we, um, why don't we, I guess, get into the movie? Uh, this was, uh, depending on who you ask, possibly the first movie I ever saw, uh, which I mean, like, I guess I was like, well, it came out in August of 86. So I would have been just three years old at that point.
1: You yeah. you really understood the subtleties of the of the movie at that point,
0: <laughs> right? Uh, well, actually, my dad I likes talked to joke. my mom about it recently, and apparently Steve was transfixed to the screen; he could not take his eyes away. So,
2: but apparently, my friend Alan uh, slept through most of the film. So, and what's he up to these days? Come I think on. he's still
0: in the theater. I think he didn't wake him up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I mean, like, then I don't exactly know when, but one of my Sort of earliest memories is my dad picking up the soundtrack on vinyl for me, nice. which I still have. Nice. Um, the The cover is in terrible shape, though. I feel terrible, but uh, yeah. And is it scratched up like completely? The vinyl itself is okay. It's the the uh, the the sleeve itself is just in, in terrible shape. But what, what the, kind the vinyl of itself um, is um, right.
0: what kind of instruments of destruction did you use on it to <laughs> make it in such shape?
2: look when i see what i want i'm gonna take it
1: (laughs) okay fair enough
2: by the way i I love that i love that soundtrack even though it does have a couple curious omissions um but i mean you know there's been so many iterations now of and releases of the soundtrack that you know uh, if if you're looking for it you can find find any song you want
3: which omissions all the songs were in there wasn't it
0: um on the original vinyl there's actually it's more of score that's missing um and that's that's added on later into different into future releases probably just because of vinyl limitations but i think all the songs are on the original lp okay because
3: i had a compact disc that had all the vocalized songs and it had i think it had autobot decepticon battle i think that was the only thing that was on it but then they released a a, a score album years later i think they had the entire
1: score on it oh that's awesome yeah. i was just thinking this time when i was watching it through for this ep- for this episode here for the very first time i was listening to the the, the score parts of the of the score of the music and was thinking wow i'd love to get a score of this i love the 80s kind of rock oh, Vince metal. is awesome it's, it's yeah
3: it's it's it's,
2: it's 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 strangely good depending on uh, especially in the '80s, what you would expect out of a kids animated feature, I don't know. I found I find it strangely good. Did you?
1: It, it's did, did you watch um, Rocky Four, Curtis? Rocky Four? No, I have not. seen It was seen the Rocky one with 4. Dolph
3: Lundgren in it. Um, I think because the the it's the same uh, composer, and I think yeah. and he got picked for Rocky because they liked the score on Transformers. <laughs> awesome. I think I have that right. It's one or the other. It's either he did this Rocky and then they got him on Transformers. I think it's Transformers first and then he got onto Rocky because of the score. That's why when you actually watch Rocky, that Rocky, the soundtrack is almost like it's... You can tell right away it's the same composer. It's that synth
1: sound. That's totally great. I love it.
3: And then they actually got him again uh, for the Angry Birds Transformers game.
1: <laughs> uh, they, uh, oh. I was
3: playing that game when it first came out. And I'm like, this music sounds strangely familiar and it was the same composer it's not the same melodies but it has the same flavor and he's using the same instruments they got him specifically for that angry Birds game it was pretty awesome
1: that's so funny
2: (laughs) nice so doug why don't you walk us through the plot of the uh and again folks not the michael bay film the uh the 1986 uh the transformers the movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is actually yeah that's uh yeah people say transformers the movie but it is the transformers the movie um well it starts um out in deep space who knows where um and then there's a a complete there's a robot civilization on a world that we've never seen before well hold on what Um, year is it oh um it's the future it it is it's the (laughs) distant future of the year 2005 (laughs) um and uh actually you actually you know you don't really know exactly when this uh the the intro takes place i mean who knows how long kratix was out in space for but that's true um, but uh anyway unicron appears out of nowhere and uh eats eats the planet and um and just one ship manages to make it out Uh, apart from that the entire civilization is uh now in unicron's belly unicron what is unicron well (laughs) <laughs> uh, um, a giant monster that devours planets. Um, and uh, so he, Runicron turns on all his Christmas lights and he goes floating through space. And, uh, meanwhile, so, so now it is definitely the year 2005 and, uh, the Autobots have been driven off of Cybertron. Um, so the war that the original first two seasons of G1, that whole war uh, must not have gone uh, too well into the Autobots' favor because they are basically trying to stage a final assault um, to get Cybertron back because the, the Decepticons rule it completely now. Um, and the Autobots and,
1: are on the moons, right? They're on the yeah. they're, they're on the moons of Cybertron.
0: They're on the moons and on Earth, right? Um, and. Um, Optimus Prime is like, "Hey, uh, Ironhide, I want you to take some very important cast members back to Earth, and uh, <laughs> go go say hi to our friends there. Gather up some energon so we can finally stage that f- that uh, full scale assault." And Ironhide's like, "Great, Prime, I just I just love being your friend so much, and I love being indispensable.
1: Let's get going." <laughs> <laughs> Here, why don't you all put on these red shirts while you're at it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so yeah these characters that we know and love so well go ahead and off to earth uh, but you know Megatron's favorite spy, Laserbeak, was listening in on the whole conversation. They really got to up the security because Laserbeak's been doing this for years, and he's doing <laughs> it so well. In the fact, that
3: when you see the recorder, he gets different angles, pan shots, and they just don't notice that he's flying all over the place, getting these awesome shots of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, basically, what happened is is Laserbeak <laughs> took the uh, Transformers, the Transformers, the movie special edition DVD, <laughs> and he ran it over
0: to Megatron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. But they could only watch it up to the moment that they're at now, just like in Spaceballs. So
1: So that means that um, Soundwave had an upgrade because he can now play DVDs in the year two thousand five.
0: Exactly, he can can go to to Blu-ray. Well, was Blu-rays around? Oh yeah, two thousand five. I guess they were, weren't they? Like they
1: were just brand new. No, it was Um, HD DVD oh okay yeah. right right okay <laughs> the decepticons back to hd dvd and the the autobots black back oh.
0: that's why at the end oh sorry i don't want to i don't want to ruin it <laughs> 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 okay um so megatron uh he goes with his his first plan from the very first episode he's like let's just go hijack their ship it's gonna be awesome um and he makes fun of starscream on the way there because he always does and uh, he goes on board the Autobot shuttle and executes the entire crew, um, including, uh, what is it, Brawn, Prowl, Ratchet,
1: and Ironhide. It's such a, it was such a shock, just right off the bat, getting rid of these so prominent characters that, that everybody yeah. knew and loved.
0: Since like episode one, those, I think they're all there um so yeah it's it's a uh, it, it was <laughs> and and they do it to like uh, 80s heavy metal
2: <laughs>
3: It's I, brutal. Uh, I remember uh we i was at uh the first time i saw the movie uh was at a kindergarten birthday party and we were all obsessed with transformers at the time and then some kid put the tape in and i remember like, super excited and they were watching that part and i was trying so hard not to cry in front of my friends it was traumatizing because especially when they kill prowl prowl is my favorite autobot and he melts from the inside like his eyes it was brutal i'm like (laughs) because you never saw this in the regular tv show like it was pretty brutal and i just
0: never oh my god (laughs) you're tearing up now just thinking about it
1: (laughs) Yeah, because, like, the, the TV show is so tame compared to the movie, and I think it's just the standards, the like, the censorship standards that you can get away with a whole lot more in a movie, of course. Um, and the fact that they wanted to turn over the the all of the cast so they could sell different toys right but um, the, thing,
3: okay, the thing is on the show on the show there they, they did destroy a lot like the number of times that the, the transformers have been blown up or wrecked in the cartoon it was quite a lot like they've taken apart Optimus prime into bits right but you always knew they were going to be okay but in this scene even though it's not really any worse than stuff that you see in the cartoon the way they animated it the music you knew they were dead you knew yeah. they weren't coming mm. back and i'm like oh god it was traumatizing for a five-year-old.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's one thing they underestimated when it came to this uh, movie was how attached the kids had gotten to these specific characters. It wasn't just about the... It was It was more than just merchandising for the
1: kids, and, and they underestimated that. Yeah. It's so weird that they went in this direction. I, I don't think that you'd ever find a marketing decision like this ever again well this was a lesson learned i think in that
0: yeah. um but well i guess we'll get more into that uh a bit later um okay.
1: <laughs> anyway sorry okay, just okay. Off. Okay. A- after after guys. scene two <laughs> what happens
0: <laughs> so uh then we're introduced to our our uh our luke skywalker hot rod who's fishing uh on earth um hanging out with uh spike's kid uh spike was uh, for anyone who isn't initiated with the original g1 show was uh well i guess they kind of made him sam wedwicky in the in the michael bay movies but completely different character really um but he was spike wedwicky Wid- was the uh the little kid well he wasn't actually that little he's like a teenager in the original g1 show apparently he's 14 and,
3: years old i did not know that
0: okay which
2: is weird because the first time we meet him he and Sparkplug, is dead. Working on like an offshore oil rig yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what? What is going on here? Child labor laws were a lot
3: more lax back then. It was the 80s.
0: It
3: was yeah. offshore. It was maybe it was international waters. <laughs> it's,
0: it's Reaganomics. There we go. Yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, Spike it still managed to live long enough through through the war uh, to basically become uh, to to you know he had a family and and. Uh, and he went off uh, to the Autobot moon and left his kid behind on Earth to be watched over by Hot Rod so uh, good parenting um, and then uh, Daniel's like hey man I want to go see the shuttle and Ho- Hot Rod's like fine and they go over to uh, Lookout Mountain and then uh, they see a hole in the shuttle and um, Hot Rod starts blasting it and because he sees the Decepticons and then a huge fight ensues like a huge battle. The best part um, of the movie,
3: in my opinion, honestly,
0: it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um, um, now, I'm, if you're looking for uh, characters like um,
2: uh, like uh, you know the the stunticons and uh, oh, what's the name of that that giant one, uh, Omega Supreme? You're not going to see them because the movie, even though they were introduced in season two, the movie began production before some of these characters were introduced. Uh, or the aerial bots man The aerial bots would have come in handy
0: i so, guess we can they're, assume they're... they all died off screen <laughs> well but you see him again in season three though well then i have no explanation for you i don't know I was, <laughs> I was just trying to come up with something um yeah it's true uh they are there's a lot of characters from season two in fact i think anyone who is introduced in season two is just is, is not present so um if you really like those characters you do not get to see them uh mercilessly merc- mercilessly executed in front of
1: your eyes so Um. (laughs) i think that makes those deaths of the the of the season one characters even even harder because there is literally nothing left to hold on to in this movie if those season two characters which if we watch these as a kid and we love the season two characters they're not here
3: oh wait wait wait. hang on no no i just i just thought of something is it
2: blasters season two yeah, he was
1: in an. He might one. have
2: been. Yeah, he was. He, yeah, was. I, he was. Yeah, I feel. I feel like. Yeah, because they began production during season two, but I think yeah. there was a couple of characters in, in season two who were introduced really early on. I think Blaster was one of yeah, them. Yeah, and Blaster like, Perceptor as like, no well. Role. Perceptor
3: didn't show up till season two, so there's a few characters okay. from season two. But yeah, the, sh- the movie was in production at the same time as season two. They were like That's simultaneously true,
1: yeah. being in production. But those characters have, like, nothing to do in this movie. So well, it's... but at
0: least they're around. They weren't just, like, left behind on yeah. Earth. So I guess it the, was Dinobots,
1: the Dinobots are left over, so that yes. you, get, you get those guys.
0: That's true. Yeah, yeah. The Dinobots, And the Dinobots, I'm pretty sure, were season one. Oh, oh
1: yes, absolutely they were. Yeah. Yep.
3: That's, um, I think that's. this is one of the things about the earlier scene and this scene that also... Like, I was... When I was a kid, I was a diehard Autobot fan. It was all about the Autobots. And... I did not like how basically all the Autobots who died didn't die doing anything awesome. They all died, like, sadly, <laughs> like, ineffectual. None yeah. of the Decepticons really, in, in that first scene, none of them got hit. I mean, and, and I, I'm just bringing this up because when you, because uh, me and Curtis are reading the um, the Transformers uh, Marvel comics, they have, like, tech specs for each of the characters, right? And so, like I mentioned, Prowl is my favorite Autobot. <laughs> His tech spec specifically, it says that, He has like the most powerful logic center of all the Autobots, and that he can like analyze a situation down to like the microsecond and know the proper recourse, etc., etc. And they all die like right away. (laughs) They all
0: suck. (laughs) I think I think they even got him first.
3: (laughs) No, no, they got Braun first. They got Braun first. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, they did. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. but anyway, it was just like, yeah, we never saw any Decepticons actually get really blown away they got hurt but never blown away not not like the autobots
0: well they did there was that insecticon who got his head smushed (laughs) he didn't die he He got thrown out of the (laughs) astro train but yeah anyway
1: yeah
3: so uh yeah he uh hot rod starts blasting the uh the decepticons
0: oh yes that's right okay so um then yeah huge battle um megatron um and and other decepticons start blasting apart Autobot city you get this is where you get introduced to all the the new major players ultra magnus rc springer um and uh, cup and hot rod and um, and i think oh and blur and blur um voice yeah, by I, the I, micro
1: machines man <laughs> oh
0: yeah yes um yeah i saw actually saw a video of him uh, an interview from him uh in the 80s very recently and uh i'm like yeah he you know honestly his voice talents, very very talented guy uh I, I don't think anything of blurs was actually sped up i think it was just him
1: so that's awesome
0: yeah he's incredible because um, i can't i can't even form a coherent sentence speaking um at a very normal pace so the fact that he he doesn't miss a beat speaking at that speed is uh, is great so um so they transform autobot city but uh even then um they bring once the decepticons bring in devastator there's really nothing stopping them and they just they just thrash the place but luckily blaster did manage to send up a signal to the uh autobot uh, moon bases so after a long grueling battle uh optimus prime shows up and uh turns the tides pretty much single-handedly he brings some other autobots but they just kind of stand and watch I like, think <laughs>
2: sunstreaker I think sunstreaker was in the shuttle and I think it's basically Helders just yeah, yeah. Yeah. just that yeah. that one cameo and then you never see that's them. that's one of the major. that's another one of those uh c- c- animation errors is I think yeah
3: sunstreaker was on the shuttle but I think he was also on earth ah. hmm. uh, before when, uh, when hot rod blasts through the uh the construction site and cup gets really angry there's some Autobots <laughs> there and I think sunstreaker was also there.
0: There's a few things where there's there's characters that kind of are in different places that shouldn't be. There's then yeah, okay. So there's so there's one. <laughs> um, and Hound is also in the shuttle, but uh, you, yeah, you just see him there and then you never see him again. Who knows what happened to Hound? I don't think you ever see him in season no, 3. He, that's the last time we ever see Hound uh, okay. in action. Yeah, he, he's just like, you know what? War sucks. I'm going yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> you're gonna go find it make a home in the mountains um and so yes prime turns the tide of the battle he he uh he blasts a bunch of decepticons like in the face um and then he none goes none of, on
3: of, of which you die
0: no Don't no they all you know that's the, the sucky part is clearly the decepticons really upgraded their weapons and the autobots did not well i guess um, it's only fair when you have fighter jets fighting a truck <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's true, actually yeah, Good point Yeah um, And all, not to mention the fact that uh, I think a lot of those uh, those dead Autobots Were from Megatron's gun form So, and since he's just a gun, like, what else Has he got to do? Just, <laughs> just yeah, He just shoots um, And uh, Yes, yeah, the, but the, the battle with Megatron Optimus versus Megatron is uh, Very i mean it would be bloody if they were if there are people but uh very intense um a lot of punching and um megatron swears that he's gonna crush optimus with his bare hands but uh, he also uses a gun and a lightsaber Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um and uh they yeah basically they beat each other to a pulp and they are both completely incapacitated um and then astro change like all right everybody let's get out of here and uh, Starscream, uh, uh, Starscream one of my favorite moments of the movie is when Starscream kicks Megatron while he's down yeah. <laughs> it's just,
1: just
0: <laughs> perfect oh, oh, for that character I just to interject
3: one thing, you forgot to mention that this is the first time of like 13 other times after where Optimus says his iconic line, one shall stand and one shall fall
0: that line has oh, been yeah.
3: overused so much ever Yes, since yes.
0: <laughs> it, like, I, th- I think every single uh, of the michael bay transformer movies he says it and like i'm like dude it's not going to it's not going to like keep its <laughs> punch after that many times um it's like that scene yeah, the uh, Sims
3: where everyone's like staring at bart say the line bart say the line
0: <laughs> i didn't do it <laughs> yeah basically um yeah it it, it definitely it, there's i think a, a lot of um a lot of those uh Cliche, well, now cliche lines were they originated here, so um, oh yeah, the, I, I forgot to mention that uh, that Megatron gets his fatal blows in because um, Optimus <laughs> couldn't finish off Megatron because Hot Rod jumps in trying to stop Megatron, but like, but, but, you know, the poor Hot Rod is is green to the gills and um. It just he tries to go up against the Decepticon in general. It's just this
3: became, uh, this is forever an internet meme for Transformers fans about how crappy Hot Rod is. Everyone likes it, <laughs> but this one part, like, even as a kid, I watched that part because uh, basically uh, in the scene, Megatron is trying to shoot Optimus with a gun that's kind of like hidden, he's trying to sneak a gun, mm-hmm. and then Hot Rod jumps at him from off screen. Meanwhile, you also realize that Hot Rod has built-in blasters on his arms, and he could have just <laughs> shot Megatron from afar.
0: <laughs> this is true. And, and then, this yeah,
3: Megatron grabs Hot Rod, holds him hostage, and it blows away Optimus, and that's... <laughs> uh, that's your yeah. face palming the whole time on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just,
3: yeah. just if you, for your own amusement, if you ever look up "out of the way hot rod," just Google "out of the way hot rod," and you'll see a million pictures of people have done uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um, it wasn't his brightest hour. That uh, poor, poor hot rod. Um. But uh, so yeah, the then uh, in uh, in surgery basically. Uh, it, Prime is too far gone, and. Um, he gives a long speech about how, you know, you guys will just you guys will just have to go out without me. I'll, I'll miss you, but uh, and he'll be, he'll rejo- he'll join the Matrix and um and then to the shock and horror of every child in the eighties, uh, Optimus Prime. Oh, wait, so first of all, he passes the Matrix of leadership onto uh, his uh, good buddy Ultra Magnus, and uh, and then he passes away. Um yeah, and which is which is still sort of one of those again, one of those legendary sort of turning point
1: moments. Now, this has a this movie moves at a breakneck speed. There is no time for pausing or anything like that. And so Optimus gets the bare minimum like Solemn scene where they kind of reflect on his death, and then none of the other Autobots get anything like that. So no. you were, you were, and that's that's another little punch to the gut. There is like you see all of these characters you love, um, brutally murdered, and then they don't ever talk about them ever again. There's no sort of wrap up or conclusion.
3: No, no, they they, <laughs> they uh, in season three, they do have a episode
2: where they do, but it's like way later. Um, Actually, to be honest, that episode kind of kind of really cheeses me off because they find this uh, this floating <laughs> memorial, uh, this floating memorial out in space. And first off, they're surprised to find it. It's like, well, didn't you guys you build it? it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and then and then within ten minutes, it's blown up. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, what? What? what?
0: <laughs> that was a that big problem think... I remember with season three is they would just they would just find things in space, usually planets. And then at the, by the end of that episode, the planet or whatever it was would just blow up. <laughs> Everything
3: the Transformers touch turns
0: to trash, guys. Come on, it was just like I just remember watching this season and going like, "Did they just blow up another planet? <laughs> like, how many of these are going to explode? Like Unicron already ate half the galaxy, and now you're just you can't just blow up every planet you walk or you walk by. That's insane." So anyway, Kurt, um,
3: so the, the Autobots that you mentioned, yeah, there's they, they built a mausoleum in space for
0: them that they talk about in season three.
1: Well, you wouldn't know it just watching this movie. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No. no,
0: no, no. I mean, to be fair, though, is that uh, there's, there is such an immediacy to the action in the film that it's not like, like, they're basically just scrambling to stay alive the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's it, I think it does make sense given the circumstances that they just need to figure out the here and now before they can deal with, um, you know, grieving for their their lost comrades. So uh, I think so anyway. Um, so yes, um uh, the Astrotrain doesn't have enough fuel to get back to Cybertron. He really only thought about. The one way, the one way ticket. I don't know why he didn't feel up enough for two two trips, um, but uh, the he needs to jettison some weight, and so he's like, uh, Starscream... Uh, you know. Starscream does this whole thing where he's like, "I want to be leader now," and then there's a big fight about it. I it doesn't actually show how the fight is resolved. I think. They just probably just fought all the way to Cybertron, and then just Starstream
3: just hit in the corner while everyone fought themselves almost to the death, and then he just <laughs> jumped <laughs> in at the end and, and, and won.
0: Yeah, that's almost certainly sounds. Com- yeah, it sounds and like that's it. Also, another iconic
3: Transformers line is when Soundwave, who's a fan favorite, says, "Soundwave superior, Constructicons inferior." That's also another meme now for Transformers fans.
2: <laughs> it
3: was. <laughs> It was loved so much that in the uh, the Transformers Prime TV show, uh, in that version, sh- uh, Soundwave is a mute. He doesn't say anything. And then the very last few episodes of the of the show, he finally speaks, and that's what he says.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't gotten that far in Prime, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, that's right. He only he communicates primarily through, or just like plays back recordings and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, he's kind of like he's like the bumblebee. Of the of the Decepticons. Oh, he's awesome. Okay. He's so good. <laughs> yeah, Prime is it, I actually. I actually liked Prime. I've only gotten through the first season because that's all that's on Netflix. But oh, that's all. Um, uh, this Prime.
3: I, I've told Curtis this before. Prime is. I actually think by far the best incarnation of Transformers ever.
0: Uh, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I have issues with it. Uh, primarily, the children. I, I I have a lot of trouble with the fact that like they just have no business being there those kids you mean like spike <laughs> on an oil rig well even worse because because like spike he didn't actively cause problems every episode uh, um there's uh, i'll tell you about, well, this i'll just say i'll just say that i understand your
3: i understand your your concern about the, the children in prime but honestly they're, they're they're not bad especially by the end so if
0: I I know it's 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 a okay well but first season it's just that well I can't remember the girl's name but she just okay yeah I I can't I can't argue with that I know what you're gonna say it's just she's a menace (laughs) she is a complete menace just she's always causing trouble she's she's compromised their lives so often I would just like go like go home never come back (laughs) you are not welcome here anymore Uh, we we are done having to rescue you just because you're bored uh, and sorry, I'm, 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 I've, uh, I've gotten off the rails. I'm uh, sorry. Um, anyways, so Starscream finally did, he fulfills his lifelong dream and ejects Megatron into space, um, <laughs> and uh, takes over the Decepticons. Megatron's floating off, and he is summoned by Unicron, who's like, "Hey, man, I got, I got this thing. I need you to do." Um, and and Megatron's like, "I don't wanna." And uh, he doesn't really realize that uh, that I think the planet itself is the one that's talking, um, voiced by the late great Orson Welles in his final yes. final role. It was like a he finished it like what was it five days before he died or something like that. It was like it was like right before he died that he finished this. And I think he didn't
3: even know, like anything that was really happening. If I recall correctly.
2: Oh no, he he had the barest the the barest understanding of the plot, and it wasn't due to bad communication. He just didn't care. Yeah. He,
3: it's it's a bit like Anthony Hopkins in the last Transformers movie. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, I actually I but I think like his voice for Unicron. I mean, I know was, they actually added it on extra effects and stuff like that um but like it just it sounds so good it's great it He's, it is like he, he sounds I wish I wish that I heard that in theaters because yeah. I think that just would have like boomed through a, like a, a a great sound system like that it would have been so chilling
1: yeah oh yeah I listened to I I watch this with a pair of headphones on and it sounds great <whistles> yeah through headphones
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I imagine um and uh anyways He's like, okay, so what's you got to destroy the Autobot Matrix. And Megatron's like, but I did. I killed Prime. He's like, yeah, but the Matrix is still around, so I need you to do it again. This time it's with Ultra Magnus. He's like, well, what's in it for me? And he's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll give you a bunch of stuff. I'll I'll turn these characters into these characters, and I'll turn you into Galvatron.
3: I love how he's when, like, I remember as a kid thinking, well, what is in it for me? Like, it's almost like... Uh, when he speaks, it's almost like you kind of reluctantly agrees to give him a new body. It's like, what, do you expect him to do the job without giving him a new body?
0: Uh, yeah, right, right <laughs> now,
3: he's he's in no shape to do anything. But um,
0: <laughs>
3: It's like, fine, I'll give you a new body. Well, yeah, you kind of have to.
0: Yeah, or I mean, I, I guess, yeah, he gave him more than just a repair job, at the very least. Um and they gave, and they got him voiced by Leonard Nimoy. So that
1: was awesome. Thanks Unicron. I love just how random this voice cast is. It is just so so random.
0: Um and I but I think like Leonard Nimoy I I just never heard him like with that much menace in his voice before. He actually does he does a really good job with it. Um, I, it's so different from what Galvatron would sound like in the show, but I I actually really prefer the the Leonard Nimoy version. I saw, um,
3: well, as a kid, because I never, I our family didn't really understand how movies worked anyway. So I had actually watched season three before I saw the movie. So I was still used to the Frank Welker version of Galvatron. So the first time I saw the movie version was after I'd already gotten used to the TV version of Galvatron. And so I thought his voice was peculiar at first. Um, and then I got used to it and then, yeah, there's just two different Galvatrons for me.
0: Yeah, they're, they're they're actually because the characters are so different anyway. Yeah, like, they also you know, actually, they, ex, uh, they
3: explain the voice change between the movie and the TV show too. I don't know if <laughs> that's <either>. right.
0: <laughs>
2: um, yeah, he like he like lands headfirst in magma or something like that and goes nuts for a few years. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's why his. voice Well, that explains changed. the personality change, but yeah. why the voice change though? A hey, good question. Yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> but he probably spent like a good solid year just screaming at the top of his, uh, his, his synthetic. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah fair enough um and you know what honestly like I guess you know the the rest of it's mostly just uh, an outer space chase movie at that point um the the Decepticons go chasing down the Autobots and basically try to kill Ultra Magnus and um and the the Autobots are just fighting to survive on different planets and yeah so I guess that's that's the story
2: yeah so um I had, ages ago, before Scarlet was born, I had started Andrew watching Transformers. And we got uh, a good portion through season two before um, he really kind of lost interest in, in, in the show at that point. Um, and I had always kind of set aside the movie for him to watch once we picked it up again. But then years passed suddenly. And, uh, and so in preparation for this, I was like, you know what? What the heck? We'll just, we'll just watch it now and Scarlet can watch it as well. And, uh, that's, we went, we went from there and Andrew's like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this. And I'm like, I know for a fact you haven't seen this cause I've, I have withheld this movie from you. <laughs> uh, so we sat down and we watched it and from the get go, it was definitely not what they were expecting. Andrew was not expecting to enjoy the movie and, and Scarlett was like, you know, what is this? And then they start killing characters left, right and center and Andrew's like, wait, what's going on? I'm like, well, you know, Hasbro had some more toys they wanted to bring in. So they thought they'd kill these uh, old ones off and this flabbergasted him like Andrew's 14. And this just threw him for such a loop that the writers would just execute these characters to bring in more toys to sell and Scarlet was visually entranced by the movie they both had a great time watching. welcome to reagan's america
0: kids (laughs) 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 uh
2: and so and it was it was cool i mean i've seen the movie so many times by this point but uh, but i mean like i'll sit down and watch that movie anytime i think it's i think it's fantastic and i'm glad that they got a kick out of it uh curtis did you watch it with uh with uh, peter and company
1: I did not. Um, I've tried watching the original Transformers with them, and they just have no interest. Uh, so we, so I watched this by myself, which was fine because, uh, actually, um, I have a funny, a funny story. Peter, do you remember um, that time when you we were walking home from the SkyTrain and we saw a couch on the side of the road? Yeah, yeah. And I've I was never like, it, that. It, it says free." And we're like, oh, I'm only two blocks from my house. We we, so we picked and Curtis up the carried this, this, like, love seat <laughs> that was on the side of the road
3: and brought it home and put it in his room, and his mom walked in with this look on her face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I had a big TV in my room as well, and do you remember what we watched, Peter, once we brought that TV home? Was it this? It was this. It was Transformers the movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I remember um, the couch, I remember watching
0: the
3: movie.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that it was a good. It was a good time, <laughs> but no, they. Uh, sorry, yeah. Getting back to uh, that was just a little aside. No, my my kids don't. They. I. Uh, I. I've been trying to get them to watch old cartoons, but they are so um, particular about the way, like the, the look of old stuff and the look of new stuff. In fact the only the other day now n- we watch movies as a family on uh, friday nights and sometimes saturday nights as well and i've gotten into the habit now of forcing my kids to watch forcing them i hate to say that but watching old looney tunes cartoons uh, like i put a short what, at the like, beginning like the of 40s, movie. like the 30s and the 40s yeah, yeah yeah from the for- th- 30s 40s 50s like, those ones those the like, prime animation yes. era Absolutely. Uh, and that's why I want them to watch it. I love that era of cartoons and I have them all on DVD, right? And and uh, and so, like, like, you know, how there would be a Pixar short before movies, I'll put a, a short on before we watch a movie. And the only reason I could convince them that this was a good idea is because I said, I'll show you the cartoon where the big chungus meme comes from. <laughs> 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 so, so they were okay with that. Now, now we watch one. And so I'm slowly kind of getting them in, into that. But, and I haven't, they haven't really been introduced to the world of, of anime except for Pokemon, really, oh. Pokemon and Digimon. So this, I think, would be a great introduction to that, too, because there is just some, some really stunning sequences
3: the parts in this movie, I just remember because that was another thing, too. They they really upped the quality in the animation. And this, oh, yeah. this yeah. felt the most anime out of all of the Transformers at the time. All of it was made in Japan. The original cartoon series was all animated. I think it was animated in Japan by a yep. Japanese company. But this one in particular had the most anime feel, especially like parts like the part where uh, the, the Constructicons combined into Devastator inside Astro Train that is such a mecha anime animation <laughs> scene like stuff like that or when Unicron's transforming at the end it looks so at 80s anime it's really awesome I, that's weird that your kids don't like that Kirk is like yeah my kids are actually okay with with old animation um like even like the really bad stuff like we they watched the entire
1: original uh Macross, the robotech and they're okay with it. man i would love to i've i've just got them watching gargoyles with me now and they can tolerate that tolerate it tolerate it it's like come on guys these are fantastic
0: cartoons but i don't know
1: they just are uh
0: well, do you know what they would think of like early CG shows
1: like uh, Reboot and Beast
0: Wars oh, and stuff like that. And reboot.
1: they flat out they flat out rejected Reboot after one episode no. <laughs> to be fair no. though if you want like, if
3: the Reboot animation I mean you know what it is but we're looking at it kind of with rose-colored glasses it is really rough by today's standards right?
0: it, it is but the but this i i don't know i think er, like the early mainframe stuff i think the storytelling is really well, good that's though. the thing right
3: like the, the reason why we love these things is because of the storytelling and a lot of kids they can't see that right like especially well, quality think, yeah. storytelling which requires build up and time a lot of kids don't have patience for that
1: the first season of Reboot doesn't have the same quality writing. and like That show really kicks That's off true. In the th- That's yeah, true. once you get to yeah. season three. Uh, even even in season two, it really
0: starts to pick up. But by season three, it's it's on full stride. It's unbelievable, stride, but it's unbelievable yeah. by you get to season three.
1: But when yeah. you're looking at it from a kid and all you see, like the, your first impressions are going to be the visual ones, even yeah. before you make it through one episode to yeah. find out what the premise of the show is. Uh, you're going to see the visuals and the visuals are not as impressive compared to what they get exposed to uh, on a regular basis today. That's the problem, huh. right? It's mostly, yeah. it's mostly fluff, right? They're, they're seeing a lot of, it's really, and the really sexy, is the but same not, way.
3: not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. um doesn't look that great. That's why I, I love it when they do reboot things the right way. Um, that's why I like Prime so much. That's why uh, there's some old anime shows that, are the same show from the 70s but they get reanimated with modern animation techniques like that's the best way i find that i can sell old things to to younger people sometimes
1: i have a good nostalgia for 80s style anime though like the stuff when i'm watching this transformers movie and i'm seeing the mecha and like when when unicron's breaking apart and all of the the pieces are flying all over the place and it just it just looks so familiar and comfortable for me so i i just i just love it It reminds me of like gundam and all of that all that stuff
3: Nowadays, they in most Mecha shows, it's all CGI. It's cell shaded usually. They they don't like that. It's clearly computer animated. They try to make it look like it fits the animation. They do the same thing in like Family Guy and, and Simpsons now. When they have vehicles, they animate it with CGI. But uh, when you watch hand drawn, like Mecha or vehicles like that, it's very smooth. There's just something about that look that you can't replicate with a computer.
1: Uh, they made a good choice of choosing their animation studio for this movie transformers mm-hmm. uh, toy animation the, the, vis- the
2: visual style is is excellent i mean the, the colors really inform like the scenes as you're just watching it you can watch it with the sound off and you can automatically get pulled into the atmosphere because of, of how well it's animated and the palettes that they're using
1: yeah
0: yeah what i'll say is is like i've watched this movie a lot i've watched the show very little and it's it's almost tough to go back to watching the show after seeing how good the animation is in this <laughs> <Yeah>. movie because <laughs> it just it just does not compare. It really doesn't. yeah. I
1: will I will say though that um, I used to host at my house uh, what I called a random movie night. And I, we, have, we have, like, a, so many movies on DVD. This was before streaming and stuff. And we put all of the names into a big bucket. And then once everybody arrives, we pull out a movie at random. We have to watch it. It doesn't matter what it is. And one time, <laughs> nice. we pulled Transformers the movie. And we had all these people who were not Transformers fans, who don't know anything about it, watching this movie. And they had no <laughs> clue what was going on. And they all hated it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: it is pretty tough for the uninitiated. Yeah, it really this is. is.
3: This is definitely meant for people who are fans. I I, I don't yeah. really know anyone who watched this first. and well, enjoyed it. Like to the there's a lot of inside jokes. Maybe I don't know.
0: The um, but but I think for but for the right audience though, it really it just really has that it really hits the mark perfectly. And that, and that's the thing is that but you have to be that audience. Yeah, <laughs> you, you yeah. have to be there.
1: Yeah.
2: So here's here's a question for for uh, uh, you guys, Peter and Curtis. Um, okay, it seems fairly obvious to me, at certainly at least, that uh, Unicron and Galvatron, Galactus and his heralds, um, is. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that honestly <laughs> that that maybe the writers may have been like, well, you know. Uh, what the hell? We've got these, we've got these, this connection to Marvel. It's okay if we rehash this, this kind of thing. Cause it just seems way too parallel to me. Wow. I never even thought about that before, man. That's
1: really, deep. you never,
3: I've never thought about that before. This is no, so, it's, it's, this is so ingrained in my childhood. That, like there, there's sometimes that you, what you just told me right now. Like there's some things that are just always been a part of me for so long that I never connected to things. Cause it's just the way it is. Right. But now that you've mentioned it, I can't. That's insane. I never even thought about that before.
1: That's so funny. No, it stood out to me right away for sure that this is like, this is Galactus, absolutely. It's it's even, it seems like it's a more effective Galactus.
0: Oh, yeah. I think he's it, much better designed. He's much better designed. Uh, Galactus, I mean, like, once you kind of separate yourself from the fact that you grew up knowing that Galactus was the eater of planets, mm-hmm. if you just looked at him, like, if he was your size and you met him, you'd be like... <clears throat> <laughs> who's this guy <laughs> um, but Unicron you wouldn't, you wouldn't mess with Unicron there's a, so. there's a couple of things also
3: I'm uh, sorry we were going earlier but um, when you actually do the body count in this movie for the Autobots I think it's actually only seven Autobots that you see die or that you know die on screen Huh. so there's brawn prowl ratchet and Ironhide at the beginning then you see wind charger wheeljack's body and then you see uh, prime die, and that's it apparently in the original draft of the script i think when they were told that they had to off all of the the original season one transformers that were no longer profitable Then by the way that's why jazz and cliff jumper didn't die in the eggs because they were, their toys were still selling apparently of the other guys, Bumblebee. <laughs> um, well, everyone
0: loved Bubblebee. Everyone, loved um, Bumblebee.
3: yeah, yeah, and Bubblebee. Uh, apparently, there was a scene that they were going to have called. It was called the Gauntlet, and you were going to watch all of the season one cast r- try to run through this gauntlet and
0: get blown away one by one. Ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> and I guess they so they felt maybe even that was too much.
3: Ooh, <laughs> 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 yeah. The other thing about the animation, and I, I love the animation, but there are some parts that are really rough, like compared to other parts. And I, I think I have to double check on this, but if I recall correctly, because they were doing the movie at the same time as season two, and I think an episode of the TV show takes three months to make. And while they're doing season two and the movie at the same time, I think they outsourced the movie to like three different companies or not. It's the same company, but I think they had three different Groups doing the animation at the same time, so there's a lot of, uh I think there's a lot of miscommunication on things, and so when you watch the movie as many times as I have or as anybody else who's seen it, like you know, a hundred times, you can't help but see all the animation errors, and you start counting them. There's like a never-ending list of problems oh, within yeah. the movie. My, my big issue is if the if that there were the
0: characters who contradict they're where they are like after uh after one of the insecticons yeah. is reformatted he's on the planet of junk yeah yeah and and that, that's one that i'm just like why is he there what what's he doing there that doesn't make any sense it's always Isn't he like scourge yeah. now <laughs> it's
3: always fun reading like uh fan explanations for stuff like that trying to explain a clear Human error. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. well, you know, the insecticons—they can multiply and create copies of themselves. No, so that no that's like just a, that's, No, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That—that's just making excuses. No, uh, I know exactly what that
3: is. And then there's, <laughs> and then there's characters who just disappear. For, like, there's a part, and like Blaster is at the Battle of Autobot City, and then when the uh, the insecticons come to blow away, and they all escape on the shuttle, Blaster is nowhere to be seen again.
0: No, yeah, he did. He exits the film. He's just like, He's just gone. I'm out
3: of here. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens a bunch of times and the one that like, really the, this one bothered me a lot as a kid is that there's supposed to be five Dinobots, and you don't see, oh, you yeah. don't see snarl the the, the second no. except for no, one yeah, you scene see him.
0: yeah yeah he, he's there's just not one there. scene where you see him yeah. and then not any others yeah so, so weird just little things like that
1: we haven't talked about my favorite scene yet what's your favorite scene what's your favorite my favorite scene is with the Junkacons when they're all dancing and battling oh. to <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic's Dare true. to be Stupid.
2: Yeah, the sudden dance party. <laughs> That's right. And, and,
0: and you know, it's such a strange soundtrack choice as well, because it's like Dare to be Stupid is just a Devo style song. And so like they I don't know why they went with that instead of like a Devo song or I mean, probably well, it was just like well, how much it would cost to license.
3: Apparently Devo said. That Weird Al's spoof on that style of song is better than anything they ever put
2: out. I think that they actually said that. And the thing is, so I uh, Mark's, yeah, Mark's Mark's mother's ba- Mark mother's bomb. He did go on the record to say to say that uh, yeah, the hit Weird Al's uh, take on their music was so perfect that he could never forgive. Him. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> the thing is though i didn't even know it
3: was weird al like i, I watched yeah. the movie as a kid heard the song it was just the song and i remember when i finally got a copy of the weird al album that had that song i started playing i'm like what the heck is this the song oh, from transformers yeah. the movie and then i'm like <laughs> weird al did that song it's like
1: what if flash forward to the future and um weird al does the voice of wreck gar yeah. 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 And, um, oh, yeah. The newer cartoons. Yeah, that's, that's one of those little inspired casting choices. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, uh, Taken yeah. over from Eric Heidel. Now, the, the original Transformers soundtrack back in '86 was released by Scotty Brothers Records, and uh, that's Weird Al's label, or it was back then. Ah. So I'm sure that that influenced a lot of the choices for this track, uh, for this soundtrack. In fact, I think there's a number of these artists who are on the Scotty Brothers label.
0: Hmm. yeah okay. that sounds about that well right Have you uh, I, I, You know it's so interesting that be, um the, the well we're on the soundtrack um is that you know I bet when these bands contributed these songs to this soundtrack, they're like, well, you know hey, why not it's a it's a paycheck and now these are probably the songs that they are best remembered yeah. for because <laughs> yeah. like I, I like I don't know anything else by like kick you know like what else is kick I don't know <laughs> they just did some songs on, like Transformers movie soundtrack have you guys heard the original um,
3: Stan Bush version of the intro
0: I have it's nowhere near as good I like the lion one a lot better oh uh, yeah yeah yeah, the, the, yeah.
2: although in yeah. fairness uh, lion <laughs> what I love about them is is I they misread uh, they misread the, the liner notes so instead of uh, you know when they're singing about Unicron if you listen, they're saying unicorn.
0: Yeah, the evil unicorn. That's the evil true. unicorn. The evil unicorn. Oh, I, I just, okay. I gotta listen to that again. I didn't no. know that they. So yeah, no, you should. It's 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 very <laughs> funny. Once you hear it, you'll never unhear it. <laughs> and, <laughs> no. It's it's so. I mean, and you can't blame them. It's like it's like they, they probably maybe it was spelled right, and they just looked at it. And they're like, I think they misspelled unicorn what is this movie about? (laughs) But what does it
2: matter? It's a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah,
3: If you haven't heard it before, I recommend listening. I agree. I like the Lion version. So the intro theme song for the movie, um, done by Lion, that wasn't the original intro, I think. They had Stan Bush, the guy who did the touch and Dare. They had him do another song, which is uh, the intro for the movie. And while not as good, it actually, the instrumentals fit the rest of the soundtrack. It actually is yeah, it takes cues from the soundtrack in that intro. Cool.
1: Version. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take a listen. I, I like. There are there are a, a few different uh, versions of the Transformers theme song that have been covered over the years, and they're they're often really good.
2: I guess we should guess the comic, though, fellas. eh?
1: Probably. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, so. Yeah.
2: So uh, the first, there was three issues. The first one was released in December of 86, so that's probably why truthfully the vast majority, or rather I should say that there are a lot of similarities between what is actually said on screen and the uh, script in the issues. Um, It was uh, done by Ralph Macchio. Uh, Curtis, maybe you can answer this for me, because I noticed in the the credits for the the comic, it says the breakdowns were done by Don Perlin. What are breakdowns?
1: Um, So in the world of comics, uh, there are a few different um, ways that you define what a penciler does. If someone does full pencils, that means that they are like drawing every single little detail, every single line of shadow and filling and like indicating where the blacks are going to be and, and everything like that. So it's like, if you're talking like Jim Lee drawing X-Men, he does full pencils and then the inker doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, doesn't have a whole lot to add to the situation because they're pretty much following exactly what the pencil is doing. Um, if you're, if we're stuck for time and you need to do something faster, or if there's someone who's not as strong as of a penciler, but they are actually really, a really good storyteller in, in the terms of like setting the flow of action to, in the panels and, uh, in, you know, uh, yeah, the panel arrangements, the composition, like they're really good at that. Um, then maybe you'll get, you'll get them to do breakdowns, which means they're just doing kind of rough indications of where the characters are going to be within the panel. Uh, And uh, and so they'll do all of the panel layouts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But they won't go into a huge amount of detail. They'll leave that up to the inker. So then the inker comes in. And often when you see a person doing the breakdowns, the inker is credited as the finishes because they actually finish the artwork. Uh, I think in this one... Uh, so in the this case, the,
2: the finishers would be uh, Ian Aiken and Brian Garbeck. So they were really the ones who did most of the work, then, eh? Um,
1: well, it depends on what you mean by most of the work. Because it still takes... Because the way that Marvel comics were written is that someone gives a plot, basically just a plot breakdown. They don't indicate page one, first panel, oh. this is what happens. Pa- page two, second panel, this is what happens. They say, here's generally what's going to happen in, the, in this issue. Um, you know, and they, they might say by page 10, you need to get to this point and, page, and by the end, you need to get this, to this point. And then it's the person who's doing the breakdowns job to actually lay out the flow of the issue. It is a, it's actually a lot of work. Because they are pretty much writing the story at that point and then the finishers will go in and ink it and then they will they'll give it back to the writer in this case Ralph Macchio and then he, Ralph will lay the dialogue on top well he will come up with dialogue based on what he sees in the pictures here
2: okay so is it, it it's a more collaborative uh, thing then I suppose
1: yeah absolutely hmm okay the more you know so uh,
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of not even bury the lead here. In that I really liked this comic adaptation at all. There there were some pretty significant changes. Sorry. Uh, so you you sorry. Did you say you really like the anime uh, the comic or you don't like the comic? I do. I, I like I like the the adaptation quite a bit to be honest. Um, I mean there are some pretty significant changes. There are some issues, but uh, but I don't know. I felt like it. There was more of an opportunity for uh, for the story to kind of breathe a little more um i will say though that some of these expository introductions uh which by all means the movie does as well like tell my son daniel or or you know as leader of autobot city i this and this and this um i mean those those i do find a little annoying but uh but on the whole i do i do like this adaptation quite quite a bit Uh,
0: i don't know they really over explain things a lot like uh, maybe it's because i've seen the movie so many times that i i felt like nobody needs all this explanation um but uh it was also a product of
3: its era though like a lot of comics did that back then
1: yeah well and then once you get to the very end they cut out so much of the end and like rushed uh to, to wrap everything up in the last two pages or something so like if you Uh, the whole battle with unicron and everything is just like it takes place in one one page and then they're done (laughs) so
2: although um, in in fairness we we have run into that (laughs) quite a bit with adaptations this is a
0: this is an ongoing theme with our show is that it's hard to nail down that third act it's hard enough to nail it down in a movie when you know but like then once you get it for some reason getting into movie onto comic just it seems
1: to be hard to nail down i don't know well i think a lot of it is that the third act especially when we're talking about action movies is literally all action Mm -hmm. uh the 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 first act is all the character development that's where you spend your time and it's the same in comic books as well and then you get to the action and it's just battle after battle and um there's a lot that you can cut out because none of it is really that essential and then you think about movies from Mm -hmm. the 80s and there's often very little wrap up just in general in movies in the 80s you just get to the end and then they like stare off into space and then it it fades off till all
0: are one till all are one
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's the wrap up right there yeah
0: um you know okay for me i i see in general i like this but i didn't love it and and it took me a while to kind of to articulate in my mind like what it is that that bothered me about it in that um this the comic adaptation is like they they understood the the plot but not the story in that it goes through all the plot points just fine for the most part and again until sort of the things get a little more rushed near the end but they completely forgot to highlight some of those very there's very important character elements this this there was story yes, of it yes um and this is there's two, well, there's there's two major ones that I noticed. Uh, A, they just completely took Springer's character out. They gave so many of his lines to Ultra Magnus. Character, sorry, Springer is the character who's got the wisecracks. He's always making the jokes. He's got all like all the best lines are Springer's because he's just he's always I've got better things to do today than die and stuff like that. Like he's he's great. He's he's the he he just brings that levity to what is. Um, very dire situ- situation and they just and it's just not uh, it just doesn't work as part of Ultra Magnus's character where he's supposed to be the the strong I'm just trying to be the leader let's just get through this alive I'll do whatever I can to keep you guys alive um, and but the main thing is that um it, the, the first act almost completely omits Hot Rod who is the protagonist this, the, the Transformers the movie is his hero's journey and it's like it's, it's as, like if, if in Star Wars you didn't really get to know Luke until they were already in the Death Star it, yeah. that's what it's like well, it, and it, it,
1: the, the other thing sorry. that I noticed is that um, if you, let's go with the Star Wars theme Cup is his Obi-Wan yeah, And they take out pretty much all of the relationship beats between Hot Rod and Cup. They're just not there. So, Cup is not at the beginning with the, in the fishing scene. Cup is mm-hmm. not damaged after the squid battle, so um, Hot yeah. Rod doesn't have to repair him. Like All of that stuff, that relationship between them, is not in, present in the comic at all. And so, when we get to the end, and Cup says... I knew there was some uh you had some potential or something like that it's just out of left field because mm-hmm. there's, you know uh, yeah there's, there's nothing there.
3: <laughs> so um, i never saw it as a luke and obi-wan relationship you know what i just saw like the other day for the you know for the thousandth time and i just realized do you ever see tremors
0: Oh, I haven't. I have it. I have it on DVD, but it's one I've just okay. Always been like in, I can't wait to watch in, Tremors. Any of the listeners <laughs> know
3: what I'm talking about. In Tremors, there's uh, there is two characters. The two main characters are played by oh, good god, Footloose, Kevin Bacon, and uh, <laughs> shoot the other guy. Uh, he, he, you know, the two main characters there's an older guy and a younger guy, and they're like best friends. They work together. They go on the adventure together, and they have kind of a older brother, younger brother dynamic to them where they're, they're kind of mean to each other, but they love each other. That's the cup-hot-rod dynamic. And I just realized that that's exactly what they are. And it, exactly what you you put, you hit the nail on the head, Kurt. It's like their banter and their back and forth, that is half the movie for yeah. me. It's just them interacting with each other. And that's completely absent from the comic. And that is yeah. one thing that I actually really dislike.
2: I did note as well, strangely enough, uh, they introduce Wheelie... In like one <laughs> panel at the very
0: end. <laughs> yeah. And I'm
2: like, why did you why did you even bother to introduce him? He's done nothing and then <laughs> does nothing. Yeah, no, he's I yeah, he he think in that one this panel, one then,
0: panel then, he's then he's gone.
1: He was kind um, of a pointless Deus Ex Machina character in the movie anyway. They could've taken him out and they could have just stumbled across a spaceship and it would have been fine. Uh, And but yeah, the fact that he's doesn't he shows up in one panel of the comic, it's like oh there's a spaceship over there guys. Yeah, (laughs) thanks for that. They're like thanks, whoever you are. (laughs)
3: He's also like one of the most uh... Transformers in the Transformers universe. Is is Wheelie really?
0: Well, he's I think he's okay in the movie, but definitely by the show I'm like okay I'm done with you. I I don't I don't need any more Wheelie in my life. (laughs) Um, but because he's 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 used sparingly in the movie. So there's a uh, a
2: YouTuber named Doctor Smoove who does a ton of hilarious oh. uh, Transformers uh, uh, Transformers parodies. Is this the
3: guy who does the? Is it the the rude awakening of Optimus Prime? Is that the same guy? That's Damn. the one.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he's a. Uh, I mean and his impressions are spot on. phenomenal. They're spot on. Yeah, yeah, they're phenomenal. they're amazing. And uh, one of the running gags is whenever there's a useless <laughs> character, whenever they're going on a mission, Prime, you know, assigns them to stay and guard the base. And that's always always what I think of when I think of Wheelie. Wheelie, guard the base. <laughs> he to stay and guard the base. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also noted that uh ironhide didn't get his last stand at <laughs> the beginning me. of the comic there the Autobots and the shuttle are guns down and, and ironhide didn't get his moment uh which was which was too bad mm-hmm. uh, it, it made ironhide's horrendous death <laughs> even worse
0: um, so did, the first
3: issue so this is three issues the first one coincided with the release of Of the movie, and I think the two subsequent issues, they were released after the movie had already left theaters. Um,
2: Yeah, so sort of like December, January, February. It's kind
3: of hard to see because there's there's definitely okay. Well, you're right. So most of the plot points are the same, but there's a couple things that I noticed that are that really stand out that make the comic different. For example, um, I I, when I read it again, I was really confused about. The animation i oh, sorry the animation the panels where unicron first destroys Lithone. And, and right you don't actually see him like you just see the planet kind of crumbling you're like and you see unicron fly away i'm like what the heck happened and it's not till later on you realize that in this comic book version of unicron he doesn't mechanically eat planets he it, he sprays them with some kind of gas that melts them and then he yeah, sucks it it a, debris. yeah it breaks apart the planet
1: very different which hmm.
3: actually in a way could make more sense in because one thing that we've and curtis and i've talked about this numerous times is the scale has always been an issue in transformers and you, honestly yeah unicron's big he's actually not that big for he's not a planet he's not the size of a planet so for him to be able to eat planets is actually not possible so the the, the way the comic explains that he breaks them down like a fly before consuming them
1: sword makes sense but you know i was confused at first about but it's way more menacing seeing his like squid much more small yeah just uh, totally totally consuming them um that's one thing at the beginning is i think the destruction of the planets and also the deaths of those early autobots it's just not as clear yeah. They don't definitively yeah. say things in the comic version like they do in the movie. Um, they, they shy away from the language, like they're dead and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was clear that the autopods that, that died at the beginning are actually gone. Yeah. Uh, I, I, but then I, I, on the I, other I, hand, uh, sorry, on the other hand, uh, in issue number two, two i think when ultra magnus dies that was awesome
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's right they just they actually like Draw do that quarter they him. rip them you a quarter ultra magnus like that was yeah brutal and
3: i was like that is the one thing i'll give the comic that uh oh actually sorry and i, I want to just mention this before i forget um because the ultra magnus part when I finally got to see the full movie for the first time, like, not a, not a bootleg, not at a friend's house, when I actually got to sit down and watch the movie, I had it on VHS and I had the family home entertainment version of the film. Oh. and
0: uh, So Spike doesn't drop his... Yeah, his, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh shit. So,
3: <laughs> if, for those of you who don't know, uh, the original movie, there is a few cuss words in it. There's a part where uh, Spike and Bumblebee are trying to blow up Unicron, and then... Spike drops uh, the S word, and then uh, there's a part near the end where Ultrabagus he's trying to open the Matrix, and then it won't open, and then he says, uh, "Darn it!" But not "Darn it." And uh, you
1: can say it, Peter. It's okay.
3: I don't know.
2: <laughs> <Are you sure>?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but in the uh, so what? So in the FHE version, uh, which is the I guess the kid-friendly version of cartoons, they censored both those lines. Um, they didn't have. Either those cuss words in those in the in that version of the film so when i finally saw the original original version later on they had the sort squares of put it in i was like whoa i've never heard transformers <laughs> say words like that before
1: but um, they learned a lot living on earth yeah so yeah <laughs> but yeah that part was pretty
3: awesome
2: although i do think given the circumstances i think i i sympathize with spike's uh you know emotional yeah. reaction
1: <laughs>
3: uh yeah what else so the the, the, the devouring is different um you don't see wheeljack and wind charger dad i don't think you do um okay and this is this is a huge thing hot rod did not screw up in the the comic
0: no No. he didn't i noticed that and again that's another thing about his character arc is that uh, at the beginning he was so naive and so green that um that he made such a, a fatal uh judgment error in battle and uh so like like that is his his ultimate screw up moment is that he helped lend the death to all Optimus Prime um and so in some ways him growing into the leader of the Autobots um is 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 such a huge emotional payoff but of course um that doesn't but of course that's not in here so <laughs> That's, it is what it is. Um, the Matrix doesn't look the same. Uh,
2: it no, looks totally looks no, it looks completely different. different. It looks a, a, kind of like a cross between Kryptonite and the Holy Hand. It's <laughs> 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 uh,
3: What else? Uh, oh, it, they call it Planet Quintesson. Um, we don't actually have a name for the planet in the movie. It wasn't until season three they call it Quintessa, I think. Isn't it called Quintessa?
2: I'm pretty sure it's Quintessa, yeah. yeah. Um,
3: hmm. Oh, this is another thing I did not like. I did not like how in the comic... By the way, I don't like the comic. Just, just heads up. I, I, I do not like the comic. And I'll go into more of that in a second. Uh, Grimlock is with Cup and Hot Rod when they are imprisoned by the Quintessons. And, so, and
2: and since you've eliminated the role of Wheelie anyways in the comic, why split them up at all then, I yeah. wonder, you know? Um, yeah,
0: that, that, I thought it would work its way into the story a bit more, the fact that Grimlock was there. I'm like, oh, well, let's see how this changes things. And it didn't really change things. It, In fact, it, it didn't if it, it made kind of things, it, things made less sense because I, I don't know how they got out of the shark decon pit. Right. There was there was a there was a just a gap where they were falling in and then they were out, and it's like they didn't know how to like translate it to the comic. So they're just like, well, even, eh. well, even
3: in the movie, the movie doesn't make any sense either. If you watch the movie again, well, yeah, but at least they tried. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, know, like, I, I, so for those of you who don't know, in the movie, and this part is another one of those things. This is like a major error. Uh, Cup and Hot Rod are standing on top of this like platform that's going to basically collapse and have them fall into this pool of water with the Sharktikons in it. It's all water. There is no foothold, nothing. When they land, they fall into the pool and then they get out of the pool somehow onto this like landing area and, and th- that wasn't there earlier. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It just, and all of a sudden the water vanishes altogether. There's no water at all. <laughs> and so we're like oh okay sure <laughs>
2: um
1: anyway we also don't anyway. get the scene where um where daniel has, gets to save spike
0: yes oh yeah yes, yes. that's right that's, actually, that's
1: daniel's whole story i was actually wondering pool. i went
3: back to that to see if they because in if you in the in the uh, transformers classics volume 7 which we have i have the issues in in the reader's notes i think at the end they mentioned the jazz and cliff jumper's untimely demise or something like that i'm like they killed jazz and cliff jumper in the comic um because at the end you don't see the part where daniel rescues them but if you look very carefully at one of the the panels you do see bumblebee and you do see spike um getting rescued they don't mention how they found them it's on page 270 for you kurt if you see it um there's spike and miss daniel getting into rodimus And you'll also see that there's bumblebee there miscolored uh on the right side of that panel it's in the middle panel so they do rescue the transformers that were swallowed by unicron they just never mention them finding them
1: oh yeah and if you look Uh, on the
3: bottom left-hand corner panel you see there's bumblebee driving right beside rodimus
1: that's right yeah Wow. So, so they rescued but, them, they completely skipped that entire thing. They do, which is too bad because the whole time, like several times, Daniel throughout, even in the comic, he's like, "But well, where's my dad? we got to rescue my dad. What, what happened to my dad? And in the comics, he just, nothing happens to his dad. And if you're not looking carefully at those panels, yeah. nothing happens with that yeah. storyline at all. Uh, anyway, so
3: here's my beef with this. I... I find that for most, uh, most stories, whatever medium it is originally in is usually my preferred medium. That's not always the case, but like, for example, uh, Dragon Ball, I love Dragon Ball, the comic. I prefer much over the cartoon version of it because I find that the cartoon adds tons of filler. I know that it's animated. I know it's got color. I know it's got music, but I prefer how tight the comic is and, and how fast the story actually moves. Um, in this situation, the movie more or less came out first, and I prefer the movie over this. For like, just the, the main thing is though, is the animation is gorgeous, and it does not translate well into the comic. There's a bunch of visual cues that you can't do in the comic version that wouldn't make any sense. And uh-huh. so to make up for that, they really the con- the way they condensed so many scenes. You're right, Kurt. Like I get lost. Like I I I know what happens in the movie, so when I read in the comic it doesn't make any sense for a person. I I think anyone who's reading the comic for the first time won't really know what transpired in certain scenes.
0: Yeah. What I will give them though, is I really do like the way they drew Unicron. I think for for some of the things that they didn't nail, they, they got him right. Uh, I think that his, his art is incredible. And for the most part, like the battle with Unicron, At the end is pretty cool. Like they they do hit a lot of the right beats, but yeah, I feel like there's. It's unfortunate because usually,
3: like like a book, a book has more time to not a comic book, but like a book in general usually has more time to give Mm -hmm. more things that you wouldn't have seen on screen because they have I I don't know more time. I guess a comic would be the opposite of that. They have less space to tell the story, so they end up uh, cutting so much out yeah we keep mentioning that third act a lot of that third act is missing and some of the like i mentioned my favorite part was the autobot the septicum battle at the beginning the unicron battle is also awesome and that got truncated so much in in the comic version
1: and i wonder if that's you know I, we were saying at the beginning of this episode about the uh the job of the layout uh though the breakdowns sometimes they're called layout artists sometimes it's breakdowns but the break so don perlin in this case maybe he just got to the end of the third act and it's like, oh man, I just don't have enough pages. So I'm going to be cutting out chunks of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe a fourth issue would have
0: done it a lot of good. Maybe a four parter. I, I, although, yeah, they'd have to space it out a little differently, but uh, I think that maybe you would have actually gotten all those important story elements actually, in there. I'm
3: wondering, I'm wondering, were they already planning on doing three issues? Was that set from the beginning? It was going to be three issues?
1: I think so. Most of their movie adaptations so. were three issues long. That's how... Yeah, they, they're standard... Uh, because they would release... They didn't do this in the Transformers case, but they would normally release them as a 90-page... Um, no, uh, or as a 60-page um, graphic novel, like a square-bound book, and then break them up into three individual issues later. Uh, they didn't do that for Transformers. They just went with the straight three issues. But that seems to be the regular format for their movie adaptations.
3: Okay. I, I was just wondering because I know that the uh, the last issues came out after the movie had already left theaters. I'm just wondering if they were going to do four, and then they're like, oh, the movie bombed. There's no, point no those happening. those <laughs> issues
1: would have already been planned, and probably even on the the on their way to the printer by the time the movie mm. came out, because they they have to you know for shipping they have to get it to the printer, and then they have to get it shipped back to them. Then they have to get it out to the distributors, and the distributors have to get it out to the stores. Mm. So there's a long chain of things that have to happen. It, it, that would have all been in place before the movie even came out.
3: So I think. In, in my opinion, um, this comic, it's great for a kid who doesn't have access to the movie just to know what happened in the movie, almost like a 1980s version of Wikipedia, to be quite honest. <laughs> like, you you want to know what happened. I don't need to see the details. But if I was ever going to experience, I would never want to read this comic. Like, it, it, the, the, I mean, most of the appeal of the movie is the animation, the sound, the music. Like all yeah, those uh-huh. beats, that is what you love that movie for, and that's it's the like to be quite the, the the story is also a part of it, but that's one quarter of it. You're missing three quarters of it when you when you watch when you read it in this format. There's one part I'm actually trying to find, and I can't find it. I could have sworn. So in the end, um, when the transform when the Autobots leave Junkion to uh, on the two ships, the Quintesson ship and the Junkion ship. Uh, to go fight Unicron, uh, Perceptor and and Ultra Magnus are with the Junkions on their ship. In the movie, you see that ship get blown in half by by Unicron. You don't even see what happens with them at all in this version.
0: Or it gets uh, it gets crunched. He he uh, yeah.
3: he he grabs it and he squishes it. Uh, and uh, and they don't show that happening in the comic version. But I uh, and I can't. But I could have sworn I heard that there was a version. Uh, where Ultra Magnus is being crushed in the ship with the Junkions. Um, because the Junkions had fixed him, he was now like a Junkion like them. Like he was getting damaged and he was able to put his arm back on himself. Like the Junkions could, because they had fixed them the way they had been fixed or something like that. And I couldn't find it in the comics. So I'm wondering where that, I, know, I, I remember, reading that or hearing that and I couldn't find it in here but hmm. it might have been an early version of the script um,
0: yeah sure I, I have I've never seen or heard of that one myself okay, i have to look into that but I never heard you know, I thought
3: it was really cool
0: it's kind of an interesting idea um, but I've just never seen
1: it what about you Curtis
2: what did you think uh, on the whole
1: uh, of the comic you mean uh, the comic I think suffered from uh yeah, be not being enough pages because they. I think you guys nailed it on the head. It's like the the they understood what the plot was, but didn't get any of the nuance in there, uh, which is too bad. I I think that part of the problem what is Don Perlin. He is just not. I don't think he cared about Transformers. He he was the regular penciler on Transformers for like thirty issues or something like that before this. Uh, like around the time that the movie came out um, but I'm pretty sure he hated every single minute of it <laughs> uh, just like who likes drawing all of these different robots that look the same it's just a tiring endless job uh, constantly make, uh, introducing new characters and um, and so if you're drawing them right they won't look the same <laughs> That's the thing.
0: unless you're drawing <laughs> Skywarp Thundercracker Star okay. Street, Star Street yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I I retract my previous statement.
1: (laughs) But I think in the hands of somebody else, it probably would have been um, a much better adaptation. Now, there is a newer uh, Transformers adaptation that was uh, published, I think, by IDW, that was done about 10 years ago. And it is more pages. I haven't read it. It's more pages. It's written by Bob Budiansky, who wrote the first fifty issues of the Transformers um, comic, and was the guy who who was uh, who created most of the Transformers for Hasbro, most of their backstories and such. Hmm. Uh, so i i would I would be interested in checking that adaptation out to see if it's better, if they expand on some things. Maybe that's where the idea of uh, Ultra Magnus as the junkie on uh, or uh, Maybe that's where that comes from. I'm going to have to look that up again because I
3: remember hearing about that, but I'm going to ha- I don't know, I don't have a source on it right now. Um, what else?
1: But yeah, overall, I think, yeah, the biggest thing that's missing is the, the 80s soundtrack. Well,
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's, that's always been one of the things that comics, when there are adapt- adaptations, that's something they, they have to overcome, is the fact that um, movies are such a... They stimulate so many of your senses, you know. The yeah, they the music is so much of a part of the storytelling, uh, the the acting, um, the the camera movements. Like, there's so much visual language in movies yeah. that to turn it into a comic is always a challenge. Yeah. When you when
1: you take out the audio of a movie, uh, comics will compensate for that through the dialogue and through the colors and through the composition to create the mood that usually is set by music. And I don't think that this movie accomplishes that, really.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or sorry, this I don't think this comic adaptation accomplishes that.
0: Yeah.
3: I, it also does help that I've seen the movie so many times that when I was reading some of the lines, they were saying verbatim what the movie version said. I, I read it in the voice.
2: <laughs> and oh, I, yeah, and, sure, and yeah. I, I
3: had the soundtrack
0: playing in my mind while they were saying it because <laughs> <laughs> I knew what the music with cue at that moment was. Um, yeah yeah i guess that also works against it because suddenly when they say the wrong line you're like what i know That's exactly not right. i was like no you don't say that
3: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like okay so Absolutely. like right like yeah right this part um when when galvatron destroys Starscream, that animation is amazing i love that part of the movie where he falls when he crumbles oh and yeah then when you watch the comic version of it, it's like no, <laughs> that's, that's not the same. <laughs> no. Uh, oh. oh, no, no. I was just, uh, things that I did not know. So I knew that season two and the movie were being made at the same time. I, I remember watching the episodes where uh, Alita One and uh, Chromian, all the female Autobots show up for the first time. I always thought that they were the original female Autobots because they technically were aired before the film. I didn't know that R.C. was actually the original female Autobot. They actually had the idea for R.C. first. And then when they started to make the movie and include a female Autobot, then when they were making season two, that got them to make the other female Autobots in season two so there would be an introduction to them first. Yeah. Apparently, uh, I think, I can't remember who it was one of the creators his daughter was a fan of transformers as well and so he specifically made rc for her i think
0: well you know i i gotta say is that having a female autobot even though there's there's so few of them <laughs> um it really does strike a chord with with women um like like no exaggeration when i went to see um Bumblebee, the the new the newer movie, um, in theaters. I went to see it with my with my now wife, Allie, and she is um she is completely new to Transformers. She just doesn't know anything about them. So I thought, well, you know, if this movie works for her, that's good. Um, and there's that scene on Cybertron where RC is there, and she's and and she's like, "There's a there's a girl Autobot." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." And so like it was it's, I think including. Uh, including just to the fact that you could actually, that it included women, I think meant a lot to women. I think, you know, the, the fact that they were marketed toward boys and uh, like there was a real missed opportunity in the early seasons uh, to just, you know, open up their minds and and accept the fact that maybe women would like giant robots fighting each other too. You know,
3: they Um, they never, uh, they never made a toy for her, which apparently they had several, uh, Plans and designs to make the toy for her, but they
0: figured that she wouldn't sell. Um, which is a, again a shame. And, and it's like, why would you purposefully cut off that much market? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it, just from a capitalist standpoint, if you're like, if you know, if, you, if that's your motivation, why would you cut off that potential market there? Um, but uh, but like RC continues to be, uh, in different incarnations, um, fan favorite, and yeah, yeah, fan favorite. Um, just i mean there's the small there's that small cast in prime transformers prime she, that you mentioned yeah. rc's one of them she's my favorite so,
3: character on that show <laughs>
0: she's yeah my hands down so it. um yeah i think you know more more female female autobots um, i'm all for it
3: did you like so. curtis how uh, they modeled her after princess leia yes definitely <laughs> i never even noticed that as a kid right because I, I i i saw star wars actually after but when i grew up i didn't see it uh in that time period yeah same and so afterwards i'm like hey her head kind of looks like leia's and i found out she actually is modeled after that and apparently that was part I mean, of the d- dynamic is because uh it was if hot rods luke skywalker springer was apparently uh a han solo character i could see that and, yeah. and rc was like leia yeah
0: makes sense to me yeah
2: so I guess uh, it would we would be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, the Transformers comics uh, are like they were coming out before this adaptation. They were coming out after. There was uh, discrepancies between the American and the UK releases. I mean, as you guys have been probably covering. I mean, uh, good lord, the the legacy of the comics themselves is is enormous. I mean, I went to Comic Con back in two thousand five and used the opportunity to to, to scoop a ton of the comics because they were on pretty cheap i'm not gonna lie and uh i mean like you want to talk about the extended mythology holy cow There is like no stone left unturned through that through that whole run
0: well not to mention the comics uh did a really create created a, a version of the character of uh shockwave that the cartoon never touched on where he's he's like he's like a, a clever Starscream <laughs> oh that
3: uh, that also reminds me in the film they don't show it but I think in the original script Shockwave does die in the movie the,
2: oh that's horrific the, I'm glad they didn't show uh, it. Uh, when, uh, when he there's a part at the end where
3: he's like Decepticons runner attack scramble and he's like trying to get all the Decepticon jets into the air apparently there's a part where Unicron you remember that bit where he brings his hand down and smashes Cybertron I think he dies in that scene, and they didn't—they cut the animation on that.
1: God, yeah, yeah, I
2: love Shockwave. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so well, have been pretty pregnant, though. though. Yeah, like that's—that's that's a hell of a way for a character to go. To have this gigantic—can you imagine? Like, just imagine that in real life. There's some sort of creature hovering above our planet, and his hand comes down and smites you, <laughs> like a <laughs> well, uh,
1: whole city's worth of people.
3: Yeah did you ever uh did you guys know about the mythology of unicron from uh from the original marvel comics he's
2: he's what he's like prime he's primus's like twin or something right and primus became cybertron yeah. and yeah. and so he's like he's like the the dark version right
3: it's it's like uh yeah this is this is where the multiverse thing might actually make sense so kurt we haven't got to this part of the comic yet should we talk about it or no sure yeah go for it okay so uh, if I recall correctly, he is, he was some kind of, he's called the chaos bringer, some kind of God. And he was, he looked like a human and he straight up destroyed the entire universe. Like nothing. There's he destroyed oh, literally like evil cat. everything. And then, uh, I guess God or some kind of God like saw this, like what the heck, what happened in the universe? And so they rebuilt the universe and then, and Unicron's like, what? I just, I just blew all this all up and so he starts destroying it again he doesn't ask questions he's just like wrecking it all again and so they create primus as a as a as a foil for unicron and they start fighting and they are at a stalemate and they can't they can't beat each other and so they never really explain why but primus eventually tricks unicron into putting his soul into a metal planet and but then but then primus does the exact same thing so they both end up having their souls stuck in these metal orbs. And Unicron eventually figures out how to manipulate the metal and he becomes the planet robot that we see now that can transform. And Primus, in the, this is the Marvel continuity, he realizes he can do the exact same thing, but instead of turning himself into a robot that can transform, he turns himself into a giant factory and produces children that have the ability to transform like Unicron. And he built them so that they could keep the fight on against Unicron instead of him and that was the uh, the marvel explanation for who unicorn
2: cool. was it's it's so creative like it's it's especially given the the genesis of the show is <laughs> honestly they they've really in the past 30 years really 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 explored all the facets of of this mythology like they've they've just dove into it uh i mean and there's so much that's uh, that's left like uh that's still left open for exploration like the time of the great upgrade when uh when the transformers became the autobots and the decepticons uh i mean like that's that's still mostly unexplored. the maxwell's Predacons. sorry yeah yeah.
0: Of yeah you know i i would love to see that story happen I, I i have like there was one time where i wanted to write that story uh, i'm just because I, I had such a really cool idea for it but um yeah, the, but it, st- it still goes un unexplored. So, which
2: is great, and and
0: it's I mean
2: it's it's astounding to me to think about that. You know, when Beast Wars first came on, uh, I mean, I was twelve or thirteen, and I felt like it had been so long since the time of the Transformers. But really, in hindsight, it's I mean, it was what less than a decade.
0: Less than a decade. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and so it's just like, um, I I at this point now, honestly, I I there is a level of awe that I have towards how much energy and how many stories can still be told in this franchise. they
3: have gotten the formula down better too. It's, it's also nice to see how storytelling has evolved since then because when the original comic came out, and this is one of the reasons why at first I didn't like Beast Wars, is um, in the original, com- the original comic and the TV show was designed to sell kids on toys to get them to buy them. And so the cast of characters became huge, Ergo, we had the movie where they killed off a bunch of the cast because they had to make room on the shelves for more toys. The, the the cast is enormous. There's no real character development other than a few of the main characters. And as a kid, I used to love having so many characters, but as an adult, I realized that's actually really bad because you don't really have any connection to them. And so what, what Beast Wars did was they kept the cast really small and you grew more attached to the characters. They had a lot more character development and uh, whenever they introduced a new character, it was exciting and it actually meant something. And
0: uh, And it's still considered now
3: one of the best Transformer yeah. shows out there. And they've kinda s I, I like they kinda stuck to that formula now. Like they know that smaller cast with more depth is better than uh, than a large cast.
0: Well, if you look at there was what is it, the the really short fourth season of Transformers where they they were you, they had man. They were mandated to introduce loads and loads of characters that you see like once because it's only like a few episodes long. And then and the writers said the only way I can do this is if I introduce them by their sections that they're in. So it's like I'm sending in this group of guys and this group of guys, and they contribute absolutely nothing to the story because they really are just there to be introduced so kids know what toys are called what and yeah. Um, and and yeah, but but now, now even for things like transformer shows, um, it is it is now an expectation that you're going to put your story first. You know, yes, of course you're going to try and sell some toys, but but you know, the people expect a story. They didn't expect it as much in the '80s because it was just a just a different time.
2: And, and that's the, that's the same I think with a lot of franchises as well that um, had their genesis in the eighties where the characterization wasn't as important then but is now. My Little Pony, honestly, honestly, that's the first example that comes to my mind. Oh, hey, another sure. one.
0: Apparently, there's that Netflix uh, Shira yeah, series. She-Ra, yeah. Where apparently, it's, I, I haven't seen it, but I hear it's great. Yeah. So yeah, it's just we've I, um. Uh, storytelling now has kind of caught up to the really cool concepts that were around in the 80s because a lot of those concepts were awesome and the shows if we're being honest didn't really meet meet, meet the concepts where they're at well they right.
3: had great ideas but no one took them seriously and so they were produced yeah. as such right no one expected
1: yeah great writing from these shows well no one gave them the budget to do that either
0: yeah, and so, every now and then, like, of course, there's still episodes of the original Transformers and stuff that I really like. Like, um, there, there's some really standout ones because they did, you know, the, I think some of the writers did care. Um, and so, but, you know, they, they just had huge obstacles to overcome.
2: You mean like the one where Cyclonus tries to commit Galvatron to an insane asylum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's not the one that comes to mind, but that was that was a pretty good episode. He <laughs> just felt so bad for Cyclonus that whole episode. <laughs> he's just he's just trying his best, but he's he's like I just want to do this up to win. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I I think we're we've talked about it to death. <laughs> Yeah, possibly <laughs> <had a> good <laughs> job. i want to thank you for uh, having us on your show steve and doug thank you very much for for including us in this segment
0: yeah no problem thanks it's been good we
3: used to talk about this movie all the time as kids <laughs> all the time so it's, it's fun to to nerd out about this this hot mess of a movie
0: uh, oh, well you know what though like what i'll say about the transformers movie is that um you know, it, it, its flaws are on the surface. It, you, you know, you, you, no one's denying them. The flaws are there. We love it despite that. But it, it's also like, it is a cut above a lot of the other movies of its ilk. I watched the G.I. Joe movie. And it's, the animation is nowhere near as good. And the storytelling is nowhere near as good. Oh, I was actually going uh, to, that's the thing I was going to bring up. <clears throat> better, keep going, keep going. Um, and, and so like, there as much as like the flaws are on like very apparent in this one it is still like it is still cut above a lot of its peers yes so um yeah
3: if you uh so hasbro made the transformers movie and the gi joe movie and we talked about this on the other podcast but if you guys didn't know uh after they killed Optimus Prime, and we were talking about how they were learning stuff for the first time, they they, they killed Optimus Prime in this movie and it had such a negative reaction by <laughs> the fans. Um, when they were making the G.I. Joe movie, they were going to do the exact same thing. They were going to kill Duke. That was actually the original plot for the movie is they're going to have Duke oh, die. Oh, really? And then when everyone, there was this huge backlash when they killed Optimus and the movie did so poorly that... Uh, they changed it from a theatrical release to a to a home video release for gi Joe, the movie and they didn't kill duke they they made him get better at the end but that scene where Serpentor throws a snake and he's supposed to die in that scene oh yeah, oh. yeah.
2: Hmm.
3: so well. lesson learned you can see the effects right away never to kill your main character
0: um, but you know what, like, although there were negative repercussions at the time of Optimus Prime's death, um, in hindsight, you can kind of see it as if, okay, if you were to, if you were to remove yourself from the knowledge that of course it was a big corporate decision to sell more toys, you could, you could see it as really bold storytelling. Yes. Um, yes. and I think that the, the writers of the movie kind of treated it as such despite the fact that it was you you see the financial motivation of it so um oh that's also become a meme now too
3: and when i count i think there's an innumerate number of times now that optimus dies in the comics and and in this (sighs) in every version the michael bay version like every version i think he's died oh yeah he's died at least once that's like the ongoing meme
0: and I just say, you know what? Honestly, uh, I, I I honestly feel like um, bringing Optimus Prime back for the series. I know why they did it, but I do feel like it was a mistake. It cheapens it. Um, it it cheapens it. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like you've 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 committed to this killing. <laughs> you've committed to killing this character. Just like just own it. Just own it. And and like, but yeah, I, I also understand that they felt that they were going to be lynched by every like child in the 80s if they didn't you know take a few steps back but i do think it was just creatively speaking
3: curtis it, is, from uh, your yeah. knowledge in comics has any character died like died died like is it like, uncle
1: ben like forever yeah no no
3: didn't they bring up ben like I, I could like i feel like every character who's no one's ever died really died
1: um uh, yeah, well, I mean, you can, there are people who have died and haven't come back, but there are always a possibility that they will come back because another writer who has an idea might want to do that. I think of um, uh, Thunderbird when Giant Size X-Men came out and they introduced a brand new X-Men with Wolverine and Nightcrawler and Storm and Thunderbird. Thunderbird died a couple of issues later and... Um, Actually, that's not true. I think he came back recently. He came back. He came back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it's that's just a thing in comics now. Like, you can't kill off a a franchise character that 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 uh, sells sells a lot of comics. You know.
3: (laughs) I, I, I guess writers would take that as a sign of arrogance. Like, if I if I killed Jean Grey then what gives me the right to be able to do that and not somebody else? Like, I just ruined it for everybody else. So if I'm, in, if I'm the next writer, <laughs> I'm allowed to bring her back if I want to. You can't just kill so, off So, But in
1: way. the 80s, uh, when Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief, he was very adamant about um, if a character dies, they got to stay dead. Gwen Stacy's another character who who you know will pop mm. up every once in a while as a clone or they'll bring her back as an alternate version. Like, there's a new character who many people saw in the Spider-Man, in the Spider-Verse movie called uh, Ghost Spider, which is Gwen Stacy from a, an alternate timeline. So Gwen Stacy is alive in the comics again, but she's a teenager, not an adult like Peter Parker. And, uh, but it's not the actual Gwen Stacy, things like that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Should we call it there? Yeah, I think, I
2: think so. Yeah. I, I, think haven't, so. Uh, I haven't actually given much thought to uh, to next time, so I guess uh, Doug you uh, and I can have that. Or ha-
0: well, actually, I I do have a. Uh, what do you think about uh, watching uh, the Howard Howard the Duck movie? Oh right.
1: <laughs> hey that's a good movie you don't have, to have that kind of reaction I love that movie too uh,
0: I, haven't, I haven't seen it in its entirety I don't think so I'm, I, I'm reserving judgment for when I see it
2: okay yeah you know what let's do Howard the Duck <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright alright well thanks again uh, Curtis and Peter for joining us it was, no, thanks it was for a having pleasure us. having you guys on and yeah, uh, I'm totally fun. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I guess I'm just gonna close this up by saying, uh, keep watching movies, folks, and keep reading comics.